Del Toro, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. We know that we can trust the word of Elohim because we have thousands of years of history in which we can see him keeping his word. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. And you're right, Daddy. If we could not trust our Heavenly Father's word or promises, we'd be up a creek without a paddle, or in Mm. other words, in big trouble. That's right. Thankfully, when our Elohim makes a promise, he is well able and willing to keep it. Which brings us to today's podcast, Covenants, again. That's right. So you can email us at redpiltora at gmail.com. Follow us on redpiltora.podbean.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Google Play. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Let your friends and family know about Red Pill Torah. They'll be glad you did. You know, Miss, it seems like a lot of Christian doctrine is based on the assumption that our Elohim did not keep all of the covenants that he made. Either that, or he changed some of the terms and parties to the covenant midstream. If either of those is true, that would be a terrifying situation. How would we know that we can trust him? Good point. But when you say that there are doctrines that make those assumptions, what doctrines are you talking about? Some believers suggest that the um, church is now Israel. I don't just mean the grafted in part of Israel. I mean the complete replacement for Israel. Wow. I've heard some prominent teachers read scriptures that refer to Elohim's dealing with Israel in the New Testament, and they suggest that he was actually talking about the modern-day church, which consists largely of people who are not Hebrew by birth. Have you heard that type of teaching before? Not to that extent, but I have heard that the church was spiritual Israel, and not much was said about reaching out to our Jewish brothers and sisters regarding Yeshua. But getting back to what you said about Jehovah's promises, we hear a lot about how we should hold on to his promises and word, but we're told in other cases that other words and promises of his of his have been done away with. It could be very confusing if it were true. Yeah, you know, there are grains of truth in many of those teachings, but I think that with those grains of truth, there's often a twist that just doesn't seem to agree with the rest of Scripture. Mm. If our Creator says that something is eternal, hey, I just don't know how it can be done away with. Why don't we get to the covenants that our Elohim made with men? Hopefully, some things will become clearer as we dig in. All right. In our last podcast, we discussed different ways to classify covenants. Covenants can be one-sided, meaning that only one party agrees to terms and has to bring to pass the promised results, Mm -hmm. or two-sided, meaning that both parties agree to terms and both parties work to realize the promised result. Covenants can also be conditional or unconditional. Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum wrote an article about covenants in the Bible, and I thought his definitions for conditional and unconditional covenants were pretty good. He defined conditional covenants as agreements in which a proposal from God to man is characterized by the formula, if you will, then I will. Mm. An unconditional covenant is a sovereign act of God whereby he unconditionally 
obligates himself to bring to pass definite blessings or curses. This covenant is characterized by the formula, I will, which declares God's determination to do as he promises. The first covenant we see in the scriptures is a one-sided, unconditional covenant between the Creator and Adam, the first man. It can be found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 through 30. The terms are that the Creator blessed mankind to be fruitful in reproduction, to exercise dominion over all the animals, birds, and fish, and the plants were given to mankind for food. Although the Creator and Adam were the parties to this covenant, its terms are still in effect, and they continue to this very day. This was not the last covenant the Creator made with Adam. True. Genesis 2, verses 15 through 17, tells us that after Adam was formed, the Creator prepared him a garden. The next covenant was again a one-sided, unconditional covenant. Elohim set the terms and did not ask Adam to agree to them. Elohim gave Adam the job to tend and guard the garden. He approved of Adam eating every fruit in the garden except for one, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If Adam ate from that tree, he would surely die. Because of Adam's disobedience regarding eating from the forbidden tree, Adam and mankind's certain death is the part of this covenant that is still in force. Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden as well, so he lost his job too. In Genesis 3, verses 14 through 19, the Creator spoke judgments upon Adam, Eve, and the serpent. His judgments are one-sided, unconditional covenants from our perspective, and they are still in force to this day. It is one-sided and unconditional because the Creator pronounced all the terms and made them happen. Serpents still crawl on their bellies. There's still conflict between Hasatan, or the serpent, and the woman, and their seeds. There is still discomfort for women in labor, and men's lives still generally involve work for sustenance. Moving on to the next covenant. The covenant our Creator made with Noah was a one-sided, unconditional one. When evil was on the earth, and it grew to the point that our Elohim was done with it, He decided to destroy mankind and everything else with breath in its lungs. However, because Noah walked with Elohim, He determined to save Noah and his family. The Creator made a covenant to save Noah from the flood by instructing him on how to build an ark, what to build it with, and what to put in it, from animals to plants. The reason this is one-sided is because Noah was not given a choice regarding Elohim's judgment. The rain and the flood were coming. That decision was already made. The Creator delivered on His Word in this covenant. After the flood waters receded, the Creator gave additional terms for His covenant with Noah. He renewed the blessing that he gave to Adam regarding being fruitful, multiplying, and having dominion over the animals. Genesis 9, 1 through 17 also records some instructions that man was approved to add meat to his diet, that man should refrain from eating blood, that sounds familiar, Mm -hmm. 
and that man should refrain from shedding another man's blood. The penalty for shedding human blood is to have one's own blood shed by humans. Perhaps you remember our podcast number 15 titled, Don't Eat That. In that episode, we outlined the Creator's instructions for His covenant people with respect to eating meat. In the instructions our Creator gave to Noah, clean meats are not specified. Mm -hmm. But please remember that the Creator's covenant with Noah extends to every human being, not just His covenant people. There are things He expects His covenant people to do that are different from His expectations of people outside of the covenant. Good point, Dad. Based on Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, Jehovah differentiated what he created as clean and unclean. At some point, we see Noah was aware of the difference between clean and unclean beasts. We know this because the Creator gave him instruction of the number of each kind he was supposed to bring on the ark, and Noah did all that Jehovah commanded. It seems the Creator's ways were consistent in his identification of clean and unclean, even before he gave dietary instructions to Moshe. Abel's offering in Genesis 4, verse 4, was a firstling from his flock. The implication is that this too was a clean animal, used in worship to Jehovah, even before Leviticus was written. Our Elohim is consistent. Clearly, only clean meats are involved when it comes to his worship and covenants. But we're not done yet with Noah and our Creator's covenant. You made some great points, Mom. You know, in Genesis 9 and 12, Elohim introduces the rainbow as a token or a sign of his covenant. He promised to never again destroy the earth with a flood. Every time we see a rainbow in the sky, we are to know that our Elohim remembers his promise. There will always be dry land somewhere on earth. These one-sided, unconditional covenants are still in effect today. Amen, Daddy. Are you ready for another covenant? Yeah, I'm ready. Each one seems to get better and better. So what's next? Well, next we have Abraham. Genesis 12, verses 1 and 3. I'm sorry. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, begins with our Elohim telling Abraham that he must leave his country leave his father, and go to the land that Elohim would show him. Elohim would make him a great nation, make his name great, bless him, bless people who bless him, curse people who curse him, and bless all the families of the earth because of him. So Abraham went. This is a one-sided, unconditional covenant. On the surface, this covenant seems different than Elohim's approach with Noah, in Noah's case, it was a matter of survival. Build the ark and get in or die with every other human. Abraham's covenant involved risk, but not imminent life or death. In fact, it came with great blessings that he could never achieve on his own, even in his wildest dreams. Elohim's approach with both men had a similar theme, though. Both were required to exercise great faith in the word of the faithful and almighty Elohim. Amen. We can only connect with our Elohim through faith in his revealed word. Fortunately, we have the examples of men like Noah, Abraham, and others. 
We see Elohim's faithfulness to his word through their stories. Our challenge to you is, be sure that you really understand the word that is at the foundation of your faith. As believers, we are responsible for examining ourselves to determine if we are really in the faith, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs are out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and nervously keep wearing that Christian mask on Sundays? Or would you take the red pill and get in line with the expressed will of the Father? Only you can answer that question. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and listen again to what we've shared. We'll have more on the covenants of the Bible next time. Do some research about the things we've mentioned. Share this podcast with a friend. Thanks for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Torah where you, you can, can handle, handle the, the truth. truth.